podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Rewatch Project. I'm Mike, and with me, as always, is Hannah. How are you, Hannah? I'm well, thank you. Good. This is our first recording in our new abode, isn't it? It is. The new location for The Rewatch Project podcast. Site B. We decided we needed an upgrade. Yes, just for the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, it was just for the podcast. So hopefully the acoustics um, of this place are uh, up to muster. I believe they are. uh, We've got a lovely... Um, you wouldn't know it from the rest of the day, but we've got a lovely sunny evening uh, with the uh, the bay doors open. And, uh, yeah, absolutely pelted it down all day, and then suddenly it's become hot and sunny. But yes, so we, uh, we, we in the lead-up to Christmas, have moved house, so uh, here we are with uh, our first recording in the, uh, the new abode. So uh, mm. um, we are pushing on through Season 1 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We are sort of uh, nearing the end, uh, or at least in the sort of uh, the downhill... Uh, Jog, I would say. Um, which episode are we covering tonight, Hannah? Uh, so this is episode 17 of season one. It's called Turn, Turn, Turn. Uh, originally aired on the 8th of April 2014. This episode is directed by Vincent Messiano, um, who, amongst many other things, is known for Prison Break, West Wing, Arrow, um, as I say, lots of other things. Uh, and... I'm excited to see this one because it's written by Jed Whedon and Marissa Tankeron. So you oh, know it's a, a key, a wham key episode. episode. Um, sorry, could you just remind me what date this aired? The 8th of April. Ah, right, okay. Because the release date of um, Captain America... Um, the Winter, d- Soldier. Winter Soldier. ...was the 3rd of April 2014. Okay, so this is directly after. The same week, basically. Yeah. So uh, that is probably um, worth pondering, I would imagine. Absolutely, yep. As we, as we move forward. A couple of little bits and pieces. We haven't had an email this week, so I would like to uh, just chastise everybody for that. Very uh, sad about this. Yes, I mean... That what I'd ask Santa for Christmas and, you know... Well, maybe we'll get another... Re- I know we won't get another recording got, before Christmas. Yeah. We'll- there's only three more sleeves. Oh no, but maybe we could receive the email before Christmas, but just not get to discuss it until uh, afterwards. So people would have to psychically know that that's what I want for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. No, no. This, I'm thinking, this episode might go out before. We'll see what kind of week we have. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I'm off work at the moment, so theoretically it should be a little bit easier. But yeah, I guess the uh, just the, you know, kids. Um, the proof is in the pudding, but uh, but it's just a quick reminder to everybody that you can email us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail dot com, uh, and as always, we would appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts. What I've started doing now, actually, is um, each week when I uh, promote the episode. I used to just have a link to the to the Anchor FM page, but now what I'm doing is I'm sending uh, I'm using a link to the Apple Podcast page for the episode. Yeah. So people are more likely now to actually be downloading from Apple Podcasts. So um, just uh, click on the review, and uh, even if it's just a couple of words, and unless you're like me and don't have. 
the podcast app on your phone anymore. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, even if you do, you can go on, you, can, you can Google it. You can just click, click on the web page. You don't even have to go into iTunes. Okay. Um, so, you know, it is easy to do. So stop making excuses for these assholes, Hannah. Um, <laughs> they're not. They're my gentle listeners. Well, they will be gentle listeners when they give us iTunes reviews. Um, I think we've, we've had like one four-star rating. I think on iTunes, that's the only what, not five. Well, you know, there's still you, you, you can't. Look, hey, it's, I'm amazed it was four stars. It's season one, you know. <laughs> season ones are never, uh, are, are, are never all that. You're always finding your feet in season one. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of us might get a recast before the end of the season. You know what happens? Oh, really? Sometimes these people don't. Oh uh, God, I hope not. <laughs> I'm, kind of att- I'm kind of attached. Yeah, I know. And there's a, there's a certain kind of just geographic convenience yeah. to uh, to this this whole sort of you know. I mean, once once we started having kids, or um, you know, or, or as we like to call it, um, the situation, <laughs> Hannah's little situation that she got herself into, um, that we decided that we may as well uh, podcast as well. Yeah. Um, uh, we we are also on Twitter at Rewatch Project, so you could find us there too. Um, but uh, and also last but not least, um, sorry, I'll say that again because I, I, I not least exactly yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, what was the uh, Kim Kardashian um, Kanye West podcast idea it was yeast meets West. Let's <laughs> 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 somebody should do that. <laughs> um, that's very disrespectful. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. Um, <laughs> I'll try that again, shall I? Um, just a quick reminder that you can uh, also find uh, friend shows on uh, over at Pod Syndicate, which is wearepodsyndicate.com. So there's lots of writing and podcasts and all manner of goodness there. The podcasts that you hear the promos for in the breaks here are all other uh, We Are Pod Syndicate, Pod Syndicate shows. So check those out Absolutely. as well. Um, so what we will do, as we uh, always do, is we will... Um, pause the recording in order to watch the episode and then we'll come back and we'll give you our immediate non-spoiler thoughts and then if we have anything uh, that we would like to talk about that assumes that you've already seen the show then we will do that so uh, are you ready Hannah? Yes I'll ever be. Okay let's do this. Bring it on. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and welcome to Film Bastards, a podcast where three friends, two of them married and two of them podcasting life partners, chat everything from new releases, trailers, news, and an eclectic mix of other film goodies, oh, and many, many, many tangents. You can find them by searching your podcast provider, or check them out on Twitter and Instagram by searching Film Bastards. You never know, you might like it, and if you don't, well, we don't really give a f- CS3P Combat Player One, choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player Two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Round One, fight! Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. But anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. So join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight!
You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. Also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, am I, is this on? this incredible don't trust anyone everything you thought you knew about the agents of shield Please show your head. everyone you thought you could believe he is a good man he's a liar will be tested i don't know what's happening i wish i did you have to believe me no i don't in the most explosive game-changing episode of the season this is a battle for shield soul and we're on the front lines Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uprising continues all new next Tuesday on ABC. And see full episodes anytime on Watch ABC or ABC On Demand. So, welcome back everybody. We have just watched uh, episode 16, is it? 17. 17 of season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Turn, turn, turn. So, uh, Hannah, what were your initial reactions to that episode? This episode, 10 out of 10 for me, it was amazing. Um, Yeah. It's there's a reason that the showrunners wrote this episode. It was tight. It was full of action. It had so many plot elements tied up and also moved on. It was emotional. Um, it was everything you want in an action TV series, and I don't think it could have been done better. I think it was perfect. See, I never... This is so funny how... One of the things that Hannah... Don't tell me you're going to disagree with me. No, one of the things that Hannah has in common with my other wife, Paul, who uh, (laughs) I do do the podcast with, is I know them both really well, but don't know them at all. (laughs) You know, and I think that that's... I mean, what I'm describing here is marriage, I guess, but but is... So I wouldn't have been surprised at all if Hannah had gone, well... I just don't feel that this episode was connected enough to the storyline or just something completely fucking out there because I, I, I never really know. Um, but, um, no, Are you it, talking about the episode a couple ago that you and I were just like totally at odds? Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's, I suppose that's uh, an example, yeah, yeah, certainly. But I mean, I wasn't specifically thinking about that, but you just never really know. Like, there's times when, um, I, and it's funny as well because I think when you really know somebody, you know maybe why they like or don't like something. And one of the things that I know pisses pisses you off is, and I think this is you thinking that I'm kind of um, critically gaslighting you in some ways, is there'll be times where I'll say, you know, I think you only think that because of this, 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 and this. And then you get more irate, like, can I just not like something or like something? you know? And the example I always use is... um, the, there's an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation called "The Inner Light," and <laughs> honestly, and, and, and I, you have one bad day I, and I, it's I, held against and I, you. No, no, I, I've got. I, I could probably give three or four other <laughs> identical examples, but people probably know this is a very well-regarded episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, what can only be described as an acting tour de force from Patrick Stewart. It, Out of context, I stand by my claims. It, it's the well. This is what I'm going to say: is that it, and I remember watching it. And Hannah was just completely random. It was like, I really fancy watching an episode of Star Trek. So I was like, oh. No, you were watching it for the podcast. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I wasn't, I wasn't watching it. Okay, but anyway, it. we watched it. And it was one of those things where I was really absorbed in it. So I wasn't watching Hannah watching or anything like that. 
And at the end, I was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. I just went, what a load of bollocks. <laughs> and, and, and then when we actually rewatched watched it, and this is what I think Hannah was mentioning a moment ago, the whole context thing. When we actually watched I Shoot Next Generation, you were like, wow, that's an absolute masterpiece. When I was invested in the entire cast and crew and storyline. But it was still yes. the same episode. It was yeah, still but just I had well. I had so much extra context no but it's but that's, that I mean, that's a different with. that's such a standalone I, I knew Picard yeah but he's not even Picard in this episode but he that's is the, well yeah he is I, I just think that that all of us and and this I, I'm, I'm taking the piss but all of us do this all of us <laughs> like stuff or don't like stuff for reasons I mean I think Paul and I probably are very similar and yeah if we don't like something we just don't like it and I know for me, um, there have been times that you've shown something to me thinking I will love it and and me just not connecting what, with The reason it. I compete to Paul is that one of the things, and this is, this is not a criticism, I'm not saying that I have husbandly cowardice or anything, is <laughs> two things you do we'll when see. you're watching stuff. And I'll, I'll have my equivalents of these, they'll just be different things. Is Two things that you do, I notice, is I think that you, are more than I, are affected by your frame of mind at the time when you're watching something. I think that if you're in a bad mood, or I think that that will can positively or negatively affect your viewing. And I think that sometimes when that happens, you're not aware that that's even happening. The other thing is, I think sometimes you decide really early on whether you like something or dislike it. I think you, I'll be watching something with you in like five minutes in you'll be like nah I'm not, I'm not feeling this and you might be right you, you might continue watching it for another hour and be exactly the same but there's been times when we've watched stuff and I'm like yeah I knew you wouldn't like the beginning of it and everybody, like I say everybody has their equivalent my, my equivalent of that is my perceptions of something based on who the other people who like it like if there's people who annoy me who likes something, that colours my viewing of it. That's one of my equivalents, is I force myself... Sometimes I think I force myself to not like something because I You're associate like it with people. Spaced. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a few things I'm like... So, I mean, everybody has these things. I, but what I, you, I don't 100% agree with you. I think I know myself well enough to know if I'm going to like something within the first five minutes. Yeah, I, and that, that is the lesser of the two. But I think that... I, I do I do concede that if I'm not in the right frame of mind and I, it's not so much that it, if I'm in a bad mood but if if I'm not if I've had a hard day yeah, or I'm or a bit hassled or, or whatever it is that yes there are things that I just cannot watch and but I know that about myself and those are the nights that I will mainline six episodes of Shit's Creek or um, some uh, parks and recreation yeah. or something like that because Soup. that's just nice core. I'm always going to love it. Yeah, you know, I will watch them over and over. But and it's over so funny because again. when when uh, I remember I wrote an article about this. Um, this is before, before maybe before we met. I think it, yeah, I think it was before we met or maybe around the time. I remember I wrote a, a um, an article for Eat Sleep Live Film. But it might even have been the rattle called the rattle back then. Um, but I wrote an article about critical bias. Mm. And one of the things that I did was, um, I won't say who they are, 
a couple that I knew, <laughs> and about how uh, stuff I'd observed happen. Yeah. Where you can see one of them not liking it, and the other one almost non-verbally picking up on that and how that can skewer your view. Like, for example, if I'm watching something that I love with you mm. and I'm getting a real vibe that you're not liking it, I start to not, I start to doubt. I'll be watching it and I'll be thinking, God, is, is, this, is, this, is this shit? You but know? I think you and I... I the, the one thing I think is, is very good about our relationship, not just one thing, but... One of the well, things. it's one of two or three, maybe. <laughs> I like how both our kids do that. One of the things that I think is very good about our relationship is that we don't feel the need to agree on everything. Like I, I don't feel like you're going to love me any less if I say I don't like something, mm. and vice versa. Oh, no, it'd be worse. It would be worse if we felt the need to have to contrive that. But, but the thing I'm driving at is that this, this whole. Um, bias thing is because everybody everybody has these things whether it's um like i say but just you know not wanting to enjoy monty python because you're you, you're tired of hearing it quoted by people or you know all of these things that can happen but one of the things i remember at university when we we're discussing critical thinking is people think that the film criticism is about knowledge mm. is about learning film theory and learning about camera movements and mise-en-scene and the, the the film grammar and all that kind of stuff it's not what what it's about is learning about why you feel so it's almost like self-analysis so one of the things that you learn from f- film when you study film analysis and i'd imagine all forms of like critical thinking whether mm. it's literary or the same but i happen to study film is it, you, you learn how to look at why you're responding to something a certain way mm. and be really mindful of it mm. and think well actually do I really? Am I just pretending I like that band because this girl I fancy likes them? You know yeah. that kind of thinking. Yeah. Or am I just not liking this because um, uh, I remember a good example of that when I was studying this was around the time that the film Fight Club came out, mm-hmm. and I remember being really irritated and disliking that film. And one of the things about the in the film was it had this really anti-consumerism thing about how oh you shouldn't want to. Um, buy nice things and you shouldn't try and want to aspire to have like this Ikea life and I was going through a phase of my life where I was living with my first girlfriend at the time so we were buying this stuff and I remember hating that film and I remember actually applying this to my own life this critical thinking and thinking well am I only disliking this film because it's kind of pointing a finger at me mm. and I feel defensive and I and what I've realised over the years is no I actually just really fucking hate that film <laughs> um, but that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that I'm above it or beyond it but it has been since studying it something that I've always been very mindful of is that when I'm watching something and I'm not reacting to it I try and think about well why is that you know. I, I'm far more emotional with stuff. If I if I don't react to something or if I have a visceral hatred towards something, I find it very hard to to switch that off and think about why I'm thinking those things. And equally, there are things that I've watched at absolutely the right time to be receptive. I think, like, we did this really big sci-fi rewatch. We did all of Star Trek from next gen through to the end of Enterprise. And then after Enterprise, we watched all of Babylon 5. And I was at a point in my life where I I 
absolutely needed the values and ethos that Star Trek were purporting. Yeah. Um, and and that bled through into Babylon 5 as well. And um, it just, for me, it was absolutely the right time to be watching those things and uh, to escape the chaos of the real and world. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. It's that you, sometimes you don't want to watch something that's challenging or at least challenging in a particular way. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's not to say that Star Trek's not challenging, because it is. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but it's... It, it, it's showing... It, it is showing a kind of utopia, yeah. um, which at that stage I really needed well, you, to yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, basically you were seeking something aspirational, and yeah, I think that's, sure. um, that's the thing. But, uh, but anyway, no, back to, back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, mm. So, yeah. So, you, so do you agree with me? Do you think it was a 10 out of 10 or not? Or yeah, what? absolutely. I mean, this is the um, uh, a bit of a deep cut reference for Star Wars fans, and this one comes from the prequels as well, so well, people roll their eyes. But this is the... It's the Order 66 episode, isn't it? You know... Well, don't look at me. I don't know the well, details of Star Wars. Well, no, you, you watched Star Wars recently. Order 66 yeah. is the moment where Palpatine turns all of the clones. Oh, right. Okay. He says, execute Order yeah, 66. I and haven't like, watched it that it's, recently. It's a Pavlovian um, response. Mm. Um and it's funny as well, like we, it's odd because this is, I mean, it, although it feels like we've I'm got, in Mandalorian headspace. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although we kind of, um, it, it felt that conversation we just had feels like a bit of a tangent. Uh, sort of related to that, uh, I was very mindful watching this episode to try as much as possible, and this is particularly pertinent to this non spoiler section, to try and put myself back in the headspace. Of when I first watched this, yeah, because so much of this episode is revelatory. I mean, I think it's safe to say there's not going to be a lot of spoilers in this episode because quite a lot. Well, I is mean, out there on the uh, table. I think this is probably a good opportunity for us to recycle some material for people who haven't been listening to the spoiler section. But yeah, a lot of um, I'm going to be careful here because there are certain things that still. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, like for example, I mean, the the let's address the elephant in the room here is um, that uh, Garrett is seems to be the clairvoyant, and Ward um, seems to be in collusion with him. Mm. Um, so I don't really want to dismiss or embrace either of those two things as being absolute facts at this point. Because I certainly, right or wrong, was unsure as to that. There's been a lot of reversals already in this season. But obviously, um, you know, this episode is um, happening concurrently with uh, um, Captain America Winter Soldier. Mm. And the big reveal in that film, of course, was that... um, And again, there's a lot of Star Wars parallels here. Because I remember when... um, Watching the growing up, watching the original Star Wars films, and the bad guys of the Empire, you know, Hydra mm. of, of Star Wars, and they always talked about in Star Wars about how um, the rebellion wanted to restore the Republic. Yeah. So you always got the feeling when you watched those original Star Wars films that there was the Republic were the good guys and the Empire were the bad guys. But what the prequel showed you was that the Empire was the Republic. Yeah, that it wasn't that they beat them; it was just. They became the empire, yeah, and 
um, that's what really has happened in the MCU is that really there was a point where um, S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA were at odds but then you know things got quiet it was war ended S.H.I.E.L.D. became you know a sort of bureaucracy and over time it became HYDRA so really it wasn't that HYDRA have suddenly taken over S.H.I.E.L.D. they've just revealed that they actually They've always been are here. shield, yeah. you know, and that yeah. the high levels are, always are. Mm. So that's the big reveal in Winter Soldier, and a lot of the spoiler conversations that Hannah and I had earlier on that I feel comfortable talking about now was the behind-the-scenes practicalities of that. Yeah. So at what point, obviously, when they started this show, Agents of Shield, um, you know, it's it's real straightforward. It's kind of white hats and black hats. So there came a point where. Obviously, um, they couldn't ignore the events of yeah. um, of Winter Soldier because it was so cataclysmic. And a lot of the conversations Helen and I had was, at what point did the writers know? And then we had fun from a rewatch project perspective, trying to look for those early signs because we didn't those, see it coming. When those we sort of knowing it. glances and potentially slips of the tongue that that you just wouldn't notice first time round. Yeah, yeah. And I think that. I mean, like I say, this podcast is called The Rewatch Project, and in this case, both of us are rewatching the show. Um, that that has been a big element of the rewatch um, for us that we've had to be very careful about. Yeah, about yeah, very much you know. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Should we get into the episode? Mm. Okay. Let me get my notes up. Um. Okay, like opening credits when Garrett's in the plane uh, and he realises those two drones are on him. Yeah. Um, obviously, we can say now that that he's he's Hydra. Yeah. Um, there is a moment, a look comes over his face that he realises he's been made um, and he realises that the tables are turning. Um, it's a very slight facial expression for him but it's clever though because when you're watching it for the first time you figure he's a good guy so this is hand and her people attacking him so what this episode does really well is the fake outs are really convincing oh they're amazing yeah because usually on tv shows when there's a fake it keeps you guessing the whole time i think they they, you can see the bad guys twirling their mustaches but the good guys are unaware of it that's just a tv thing but this show really does genuinely like the moment where um, apologies the, if you can hear a dishwasher by the way <laughs> I just pretend it's my stomach it usually is um, but so but for example there's a moment where uh, Colson is saying that he thinks Hand is the clairvoyant now mm. we now know Garrett is but he's trying to talk Colson out of believing that she is yeah um, which really adds to his credibility as not being a suspect for but, it. But that also um, ties into Hand saying about how um, they get you by befriending you and being emotional with you and seeming as though they're being vulnerable and um, connecting with you. Yeah. So and we see he, other characters in this episode textbook doing that. As well. doing that. Like he's connecting on an emotional level and it's weird as well because I think that, that the casting of Bill Paxton is oh really he clever. was so perfect Be- for it Bill Paxton is one of those guys 
who you can completely imagine being an utter shit heel, like the character that he is in True Lies, for example. Yeah. Um, but he also comes across like somebody you'd really want to be friends with. Yeah. Um, I mean, the character that he plays in Aliens is a bit like that. Like, everybody also always remembers the... You know, game, over. game over, man, yeah. and him being like the kind of the panicky one, mm. but but ultimately his character does come he's around a good guy. and he's yeah. a good guy and he's heroic, and I think that that's a wire that um, Paxton walks really well. Um, he's a bit like that in Apollo thirteen, like he can be a bit of an asshole, but also a good guy. Yeah, he's 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 a very human yeah. sort of you know actor and character. Um, he was just excellent to this. I also. Big props to Ming Na Wen in this. Like, I feel like people are suddenly deciding that she's amazing because she's in the Mandalorian and doing such a great job of well, it, also, and, and so deserved yeah, as well. Also, she's just been announced as she's the the, the co-star in the Boba Fett series yeah. as well. So she's got her, she's got a very high profile and gig now. Super congratulations to her. It's yeah. so well deserved. But I think anyone that has watched Agents of Shield knows how amazing that woman has been from the very first season. And I feel like this episode, you get some excellent emotional acting from her. Like she really, I feel like she really connects. And she has some quite difficult material as well, because Mm. she has to do the whole, um, you know, issue. I mean, I'm a big fan. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I'm super biased. Yeah, no, but um, yeah, but that's why you're a big fan. But it's it's like you know she, she has to do lots of that. I mean she's got a kind of thankless role because and it's well played because I mean the scene at the beginning is is contrived in the sense that you know she could probably have diffused that situation really quickly because like mm. she's like look let's all just take a breath it's like well just tell them yeah you know and the writers had to do a little bit of gymnastics because of that but I think that it, a lot has to be said to her as an actress that you don't actually think about that. No, you when don't. You're it. You totally uh, believe the fact that she's not saying yeah. anything. And also, what you've been told about the characters consistent with that is that she is a company person. Like, even when the shit's really hitting the fan near the end of the episode mm. and she's trying to call Fiora, she's like, look, my orders were to do this without anyone in the room. Yeah. It's like, dude, seriously, even now you're yeah. fucking doing that? Yeah. So it is consistent that... Well, we've said in previous episodes when um, she hasn't confessed that she's been behind something good you know it, it's only come out because either someone else has said it or it's come out in the course of events like she's never she's never said oh well I was doing it that way the whole time because you know I really yeah. trust you or whatever she's not that character she she knows her objectives she has her orders she follows them and, it's and that is how she is it's interesting as well that because I mean, there's been a, a lot of episodes. but that's kind of her arc so far as well. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, like she she is very toe the company line, and um, that's sort of being challenged a lot now. So you know, do you toe the company line or do you follow your gut and talk to the people that you emotionally connect with and and want to be with, or do you? follow what's been prescribed and written down well, for also, you. Well, also, I mean, what does it mean when the company turns out to not be what you thought it was? Yeah, not the company. You, you know, yeah. so um, the status is not quo. It is so not quo. <laughs> um, and the other thing as well that I think is interesting is that throughout the whole of this season, 
Um, and it's nice to be able to openly talk about this now, mm. not just in the spoiler zone. There's been lots of moments where, uh, you know, there'll be episodes that end with her on the phone going, he knows, you know, like all the TV oh, no. and stuff and all that. Um, and you learn in this episode as well that she was kind of instrumental in uh, kind of, you know, incepting um, yeah. Coulson the into team. who he picked for the team. Yeah. Um, but on the one hand, it's one of those things where it's only sinister because he didn't know it. Because yeah. Like the fact that she, well, you have you have that revelation in Fringe as well. Yeah, but like, it's, it's the know. idea that okay, she was manipulating him, but she was kind of manipulating him for his own good because she yeah. knows him. So she would know, even if she was doing it in the open for honourable reasons, she would still have made the same decisions. She of course, would still she know yeah. that he. She knows that Kirk needs McCoy and Spock. Yeah, you know, you need the logic and you need the emotion in yeah. order to be uh, have the you know the three parts of the human spirit and all that. So she understands the value of. Fitz and Simmons as much as she understands the value of and the fact that you know you've got this um, so you can also get a sense of why she was so um, unresponsive to Sky mm. because that was a kind of a, a, a fly in the soup a little bit you know the fact mm. that she was had like kind of meticulously contrived for him to have this perfect team and then this complete loose cannon mm unknown quantity comes into it so a lot of those motivations um you know make sense but um i think the fact that that one of the things that's good great about ming ming na is that you i don't think even watching it the first time i don't think you're ever really meant to believe that she is actually a baddie no i don't no, think no, that no. was the intention i think, I think that, it was quite an obvious misdirection yeah i mean, but, I, mean I think it was I, re- I remember first time round being like no no she can't be a bad guy no there's got to be something wrong yeah i remember thinking not that it just wasn't as well because and it did feel a bit like you say misdirection is a great word because it's like the old magic trick i was very aware of the fact that that she was there to make the characters think that she was evil but i don't think that that was everything for the audience Mm. um i think that we were surprised when we find out i think that hand was Oh, was the totally. um, was was the I think that May was the misdirection for the characters and Hand was the misdirection for the audience mm. because I think that the writers knew that they, there was already enough kind of in the bank with the audience with May mm. to even try and pull that trick. Yeah. Whereas with 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 Hand and Garrett and even Ward to a certain extent, um, they were all characters who had an unknown element about them, whether it's that you don't know who they are emotionally or biographically. It varies character to character. Mm. But I think with May, I think that because of her chemistry with Clark Gregg, mm. I think that they knew, you know what, let's not even try and really convince the audience of that. Yeah. Um, I, I, when, I, when I was first watching it, the drama from that was more that these people that you liked were pointing guns at each other and you wanted May and Coulson to... to you wanted Ron and Harry to make up again. You know? yeah. That was where the dramatic tension was, was, hey, guys, figure this out more yeah. than, oh, is she a baddie? Okay, well, so, I mean, this is one where I, I don't think we necessarily need to go through every story beat because it's pretty much just reveal after reveal. It's it, and, Yeah, it's not really that type of episode, I think. Yeah, and, I mean, there are certain plot points that I think are interesting that, from a perspective of how they've been seeded throughout the show. So, for example... Fitz and Simmons' sort of interest or suspicion or around um, the blood 
Yeah. Sorry? Just just one thing, just when you're talking about Fitz and Simmons, um, and when you said about misdirection earlier on, um, Simmons, when she's um, in the room on her own and trips unsure if she's trustworthy, and she see, and he says something about her being a bad, bad liar, and she says that she's getting better at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I felt like that was such a, like a, a nod to trying to make her seem like potentially there was something there. No, I thought it was more just the fact that... I mean, she is getting better at lying. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was just a character growth thing, personally. I think it was more just the fact that she's not as green Mm. as she was. But I quite liked it. It was just like, yeah, it's a little nod. And I think it's also good that they allow the characters to be consistent. So, for example, you know, you've had episodes where, like, when uh, Fitz went out in the field with Ward, but... Uh, and you know, so he grew a little bit there, and he you know toughened up a little bit. But he's still, you know, crying and kind of I, I've like got a a, about that. I love that, uh, and and also he's re- just really scared. So it's the fact that sure he's been through a few experiences, but he's still a scientist, you know, and yeah. not used to being in these sort of situations. I love that. I love the fact that he's full on tears running down his face, but he's no less supportive of his team and what's going on. Oh, he's still like, got he's resolve. Not, he's not backing down, yeah. but he's, he's just disappointed. scared <laughs> and yeah, terrified about it. Yeah. Um, I love that the team are quite shocked at Coulson shooting May mm. um, because it just reinforces, I think it reinforces early on in the episode, you don't know who to trust. Mm. You don't know what someone is capable of and what they will do because... I feel like they, as as much as it's unspoken, I feel like they would think that Coulson would never go against May mm. or May against Coulson. That they're a team, even though we've like we've said in the past that Ward and May were like mum and dad because they were getting it on. In another way, um, Coulson and May are like mum and dad or granddad and. Well, it depends you know. on the context. It's like mm. Ward and May were mum and dad when it was a like a feel in there was an yeah. in the field situation. But the other thing is as well is we've talked before about this whole family dynamic. There's an element yeah. where you know sometimes dad has to shout a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and and that's basically what I think is going on there is the fact that um, we, we've we know that Coulson has been changed by his experience. And we know part of that is his increasingly familial attitude towards the team and, you know, taking a chance on Sky um, and, you know, going kind of rogue and all of the sort of the the shopping list of things that Hand goes through, which are quite convincing. I mean, that's the thing that's good, is that when she goes through all of the reasons why she thinks um, Coulson is Hydra... It's pretty convincing. Oh, you know, of course it taken is. Taken out of context. Yeah. I mean, there's a, um, and but I think that what that moment when he shoots, admittedly, it's a stun gun, uh, May is it's a reminder that he's still a seasoned agent. Yeah. And um, you know, when shit gets real, he does what he's got to do. And you know, there's a moment that there are times for the touchy feely. Yeah. Um, and then there's um, you know, times for shooting somebody in the stomach <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, uh... yeah for sure um, I thought it was a really nice moment when May's put in the 
lockup with Ward um, because. Because Which is Ward's, a terrible idea when you think about well, it. Well, because Ward's shot the clairvoyant, but they don't think of him as dangerous. They're just, you know... I think that he him. made a stupid decision. Yeah. So at that point, he's no threat. Um, well, so, at that point, if anything, they would probably be worried that he was in danger of being killed by May. Yeah. But they know that he can hold his own. So putting them together is not an issue for them. Yeah. But when... Coulson says to Ward that she's a sleeper. You see it on his face, like fuck. Is she Hydra? And I didn't know. Yeah. And well, it could be that, or it could just be him trying to react the way that Coulson would expect but Ward to react. You can see him reacting, but also like calculating stuff in his head. Like mm. you can see him going through it. Well, that's what's great about the show—the fact that you can. We can have these conversations where you can see what the characters are thinking because of what you know. That's the great thing about geeky shit. Mm. That's the great thing about the Star Wars universe or Tolkien or any of these, um, you know, universes that you spend time in is that you get to know the rules of the world and the technology and the characters and all of these things. So there's such a level of nuance uh, a musicality to the, when they do these things, yeah. you know, and and I think this episode is a great example of it. But for me, I, don't, I want to mention it now before we move past it. Mm. I think the best moment of this episode, which is probably one of the best episode moments of the show, is just that kind of Mexican standoff at the beginning. Yeah, um, you know when um, May is trying to reason with them. All of the character, every single character in that scene has got some interesting shit going on. And I think it's interesting that the person who's the quietest throughout the whole of this episode is Sky. Yeah. She's just sitting there like, fucking hell. It, it is almost like the... To go back to the family thing again, it's like the adopted child getting to see the family argue for the first time. Yeah, or the, and not the, knowing her place or, in it. Or, yeah, and just not... yeah, Or, or um, like, the partner. Like, you, you know, you're, you're at your girlfriend's house... And a family are going nuts at each other, and you're like, "Well, fuck me, I've got, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you're just trying to understand what's happening." Yeah. Um, and I think it's funny because I think particularly so far in the first season of the show, you know, Coulson is technically the lead character, but really, Sky is the lead lead of the show as, mm. from an audience perspective. Um, so it is interesting that really, like the audience. She's rendered into a role of almost just complete spectatorship. Well, she's apart very from, out of yeah, out of the know. Apart from how she relates to Ward, that, that's yeah. really the only. And the other thing as well is is that she's not uh, a field agent. Yeah. So everybody really in this episode, if you're not doing sciencey stuff or you're not doing spinny kicky stuff, there's really no there's place for you. For you in, to do. In the, yeah. So that's an interesting thing. I love the fact that whenever they show Victoria Hand, she's got red lights in the background. Like, it's such a visual cue, visual clue of we are not sure what side you were on. And her hair is red as well, yeah, yeah. so there's that. Um, it, it was just such a small detail, but I kind of love it because they're using visual elements as well as dialogue and, you know, nuance to... Send you, send you all over the place and, with the is, and, and also that's um, that's a comic book thing as well mm. is the fact that you don't, you've got certain 
you know, like when doctors. I mean, she are, is very comic book with how she looks, like you say, with the red bits in her hair, and you know. Yeah, it's like they've given her a bit of flair, like mm. they do a lot of characters. But it's the same. I mean, there are certain characters in um, Marvel who, when their their panels in the comic book will have a certain look. You know, mm. because that's that's part of their aesthetic, and I think that the show does that a little bit. I think that's why a lot of modern genre shows lack dynamism. And the example I always use of this is if you were to compare um, two so- two shows that are really similar but really different, and I've used this comparison a lot, is if you compare Babylon Five with The Expanse. Yeah. So Babylon Five is. Um, they're both very similar shows, but the big difference is that that the Expanse is kind of like this is is, is pure science fiction, and Babylon Five is science fiction fantasy space opera. So so you've got uh, and also the Expanse is very by by its own admission of the, the two guys that write it very influenced by Babylon Five. Mm. Um, but one of the things that in the Expanse is because they're going for realism, all of the technology is very interchangeable. So when yeah. there's lots of ships having a battle. It's kind of just a bunch of stuff. Well, you just can't um, tell who's where, who. Whereas in Babylon 5, all of the different alien races and all the different factions have their own visual language. Mm. So they have their own archaeology, uh, uh, architecture. So, for example, if, if you've got... There's a race called the Centauri who are very obviously based on the Roman Empire. Mm. And their, archeo- their, their architecture... I don't know I'm getting archaeology and architecture mixed up so much. Um, their architecture has certain particular shapes and colours to it. Yeah. And so do their clothes. Very much their hairstyles and stuff. And so do their yeah. spaceships. Yeah. So when they're on screen, you know where they are. Definitely. And that's, same, that's same prob- with the Vorlons. Yeah. And that's probably not completely realistic, but it's good storytelling because it means that when you have... I mean, there's times when we were watching Babylon 5 and, you'd, and you know, I was re-watching it and Hannah was seeing it for the first time and she went, oh, the Centauri have turned up. Yeah. And... You got that just from their ships, yeah, from the shorthand, which you had yeah. been taught without realising it by yeah. the audience. Uh, if Through that their hair the and their clothes and their yes. everything. And, but on the expanse, when Mars turn up, you need, you need one of the characters to tell you that, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that one of the things that, that um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe does really well, which again comes from comic books, is visual identity. And I think that when you have a rich universe where lots there's lots of action, I don't mean action from a punchy, kicky perspective, but I just mean action as far as movement and busyness on the screen, you need to have shorthand. That's good storytelling. People think storytelling is script and dialogue and plot. It's not. No. It's knowing where you are because of the lighting or knowing... Um, the, the motivations of a character because of the use of music it's everything mm. you know and I think that often that gets forgotten out of a out of a fear of looking cheesy or something you know yeah um I just going on the comic book element I think it's nice that they put in the reference to being a true believer yes um which you and I I think I said to you at the time I thought you and I were writing the same note yeah down. I was um, Would well, you want to explain that for anybody who so might not? So Stan Lee um, has called Marvel fans true believers. Yes. And for him to say that, Gar- for Garrett to say he wasn't a true believer, talking in terms of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
was just a really nice nod to Shorthand the source it. material that this whole show comes from. But, and that's the difference between references and fan service, which I think is good. Yeah. Is if you get it, it's a nice moment. But if you don't, it makes sense as dialogue. Absolutely. And we was, Anna and I were talking about this the other day. That's one of the reasons why I think The Mandalorian has resonated with people so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, a good example of that was the spoiler alert, the final episode. At the end of it, Luke Skywalker turns up. Mm. You could be cynical and go, oh, great, they've had to throw Luke Skywalker in. But it kind of had to be him. Because if you look at when it is in the Star Wars, he's the only fully functional Jedi alive. Mm. So it had to be him. So let's say, for example, you live in a world where you you don't know who Luke Skywalker is. That moment would still have worked because it's just a Jedi turning up and the emotional core of that scene is how it's difficult... It's Mandalorian saying goodbye. Exactly. Yeah. If you are one of the billions of people who know who, likes, know who Luke Skywalker is, that scene has a little bit of extra special source mm. on it because of the resonance of what that actually means. Mm. And I think that that's something like the true believer. I mean, one of the things that... I mean, we talked about this the other week, and I think this gets to the core of the identity of Marvel from the 60s onwards, I mean, well, even before, is and the big difference between that and DC. And forget the whole, oh, this one's dark, this one isn't, because it's kind of bullshit. Like, Marvel have done dark shit as well, and DC in the comics have done really light stuff. But one of the big differences is, are uh, in DC, um, all of the cities are fictional. Yeah. In Marvel, they, they're real. You know, I mean, Superman lives in Metropolis, but Spider-Man lives in Queens. Although you know. there is... A Gotham in the UK, but it's pronounced Gotham. Well, there you go. It's just not as cool. Um, but the other thing is, as well, is when you read the original um, Marvel comic books, Stan Lee talks to the reader in mm. the comics. So, for example, if you read a DC comic, you've got all the panels and the dialogue and everything. And occasionally something will happen where Batman will say, ah, oh, I've grown stronger since we last met, Joker. And it'll still be a little thing saying, see Batman number 21 for this, dash, editor. Mm. Marvel did that as well. But Stan Lee, increasingly, this is in the 60s, started having fun with that and would actually put like sarcastic comments in and start, and they'd, he'd always refer to the, he'd be like, you know, oh, this is from episode number 21, uh, issue 21, True Believer. Um, and then... He'd start putting puns, and this, so you got a sense of the personality of the people. But what it did was, it made you feel like you were in on it. Yeah, it created a real sense of. I I felt like that through the films. Yeah, like, I I've never read the comics. I, I didn't even read. I didn't know who Iron Man was before I saw yeah. the film Iron Man. Um, but honestly, through. The films and Shield and there's something well, very welcoming about yeah, it. I think very but, much so. It's very inclusive, and there's a lot to be said for feeling like you're part of the universe. They've kept it so connected that that you can immerse yourself so well in it and feel like you get where those characters are from and where they exist. But and, it doesn't feel and where they are geographically. Well, you, don't, everything. you don't hear people saying oh, I'm not going to watch a Marvel film because you have to watch all... Like, I mean, they've cracked the formula um, that people have been trying to do for years. Like, I remember back when the Star Trek movies were coming out, 
you'd always hear the the the, the I remember when Star Trek First Contact came out. Oh, you don't need to have seen the show. It's a bonus if you have the X Files movies. Oh, you don't need to have seen the show, but it's great if you have because they know they've got two audiences. I um, believe that about First Contact. Um, yeah, maybe it's hard, it's hard to say. Well, but, I hadn't seen yeah, Star Trek no, I, I, before. I think more, more so than a lot of them, um, but. It's a very difficult thing to do, but what Marvel have managed to do is actually deliver that. Like, the bigger films, you know, like, I mean, Endgame, you'd struggle if you haven't seen the others. Oh, but, God. Endgame but, wouldn't make a lot of sense, you don't I don't to, think. You don't need to have seen The Incredible Hulk to enjoy Ant-Man and the Wasp. No. I mean, they're, they're two completely separate things, but they are weaved together. Interconnected, you know, yeah. Um, if, if you want to sort of go that route. Hmm. Um Oh, go um, I No, I, I just have a couple of very um, random comical things that made me giggle in a slight way that weren't supposed to make me giggle. All right. Um, oh, one very small thing that made me laugh is that Lola is right there in the, in the, in the ramp um, when they blow up the thing, it was just a nice callback to "Don't touch Lola." Oh yeah, when um, the, the, the yeah, thing when falls it down. comes down yeah, in the yeah, cars yeah. here. But also, one of the main shield men that's with Victoria Hand, um, who's not Hydra. He's one of the the good shield guys, and he's going around with her. He's totally the perfect girth dildo guy from Sex and the City. Oh, is he? And I will not see him as anything but the perfect girth dildo guy. <laughs> Forevermore. Wow. Did you check that? Just out of curiosity? Or? I knew that face, but I did go and check to make sure he was the actor. And yes, he is. His name is Garth in the Sex in the City episode. And it's when they go to LA. We need to get that guy on the show. Um, okay, so um, can I jump through I, a few I things? Because I've, got, I've I, got tons of I notes. thought it wouldn't. I first saw him, I was just like, hey, you're the dildo guy. <laughs> it's a bit like... Um, the man with the funky tasting spunk. Funky tasting spunk, yeah. He's in Ant Man. He's in everything. He's he's the stepdad. Yeah. I, every time I see that guy, poor guy. Every time I think I see him, I think you've got funky tasting yeah. spunk. And he doesn't. Oh well, if he does, it's just a coincidence. Well, he's a method actor if he does, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. know. I think it's also funny as well that one of my notes here is May picked the worst time ever to be slightly sus. <laughs> because the thing that she was being sus about wasn't actually that bad. Yeah. But it was at a time when the worst thing in the history really of... really You know, <laughs> it, it was like, it's kind of like, she's like, fucking hell. It'd be kind of like me lying to you about doing a load of washing mm. at a point where somebody said to you that they think I'm having an affair or something. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's so... Like, because when she does actually find out what's going on, she's just like, fuck me, well, no wonder you're all freaking out so much. Yeah. It's like, she was just using... The it's basically she was doing the shield equivalent of using the work computer to book a holiday. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was it was nothing too terrible, but uh, but it was just enough at the wrong time to make it seem like something yeah. really awful. Yeah. I like the moment as well, and I've, it, it's worth pointing out that I mean we've seen this stuff before, but I've forgotten so much of it that like I've forgotten the whole um, hand double fake out thing to test the allegiance of her team. Yeah, like when she she. Um, corners trip and um, I mean even I mean it's as though they realised okay we can have a lot of fun in this episode because we know that the shit's going to hit the fan and we know that there are going to be people who are you know have been in the show before who are going to turn out to be wrong'uns Mm. Um, let's give everybody a moment in the 
um, suspicion spotlight. Yeah. So you've got Trip locking the door and looking all sort of murdery yeah. until he gives the knife to, and then you've got an equivalent moment a minute later where um, Hand is like, "Right, you can join us, uh, and we'll let you off." And then they say no, and then she's like, "Oh, okay, I know you're cool." Um, and I completely forgot about that moment. So it's as though they're like the writers were like, "Well, we're not going to be able to use this mechanic." in the show for quite a while now mm. so let's have as much fucking fun with it yeah. as we can in one episode I thought I was I had forgotten how far into it before you find out anyone who's on the other team yeah there's been like, two or three episodes before this where I thought that was going to be the one where that happened but I knew it wasn't till this episode but I I thought that it was earlier on in the episode and there'd be more combat you know but actually it was like oh shit he's still you know yeah. on the other All side yeah. yeah yeah it was it, it was interesting that it it lasted so long yeah uh, for me um yeah oh god it was just so good and the um couple of the key moments that i want to just sort of uh, make sure that i don't mm. forget is i mean the moment where it's actually revealed that it is hydra the ace of the shadows bit and that's cool. And I think this is one of those things as well where um, I think that the people who kind of gave up on this show that are missing out the most are the real real Marvel heads, the people who grew up on the comics. Mm. Because Hydra was such a huge element of the comics. And really in the films, it's not that much. I mean, you've got it in the Captain America films, but once the change occurs here, that's really it, you know. Yeah, it kind of does get sort of forgotten yeah. a wee bit um, and, and so this and Agent Carter the two seasons of Agent Carter are probably where that was done the most mm. they say that Fury's died as well um, so you can see at what point you are so that's obviously the moment you know where he gets his car gets ambushed yeah. in, um, in Winter Soldier um, we get this thing where Coulson finds out that Maine knew about Tahiti and um, she says, but does she put the team together? But basically it was what he needed. And, mm. and May says that she did it for him. And I believe that, you know, yeah, um, I do too. I like the fact that, and this is another fringe, fringe like moment where they're, they're like, shit. Okay. Well, if we're going to get boarded, we need to keep all of our sort of monster of the week tech safe from Hydra. You know, yeah, so but did you notice she gave the hard drive to Ward? Yes, I did, yeah. 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 Although it's during the hand fake-out scene, she basically talks about how, and this is a nice, neat way of contextualising it, that essentially it's been a 70-year plot. You know, yeah. I mean, it's been, and again, that's another Star Wars comparison, is it does feel like, like if you look at Emperor Palpatine or and his whole storyline in the Star Wars series, that is the longest game <laughs> that anybody yeah. has ever played. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we see that it's basically, uh, you know, that hand, it's, it's the loyalty fake out. Garrett does the old, I've captured the good guys fake out in order to sort of yeah. like get them into the scene. Um, Ward laments killing an innocent man as he thought he was going to hurt Sky. And they have the whole, maybe we can grab a drink. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting as well that he talks in that scene because this is before his apparent collusion uh, is revealed at the end of the episode that he talks about how great he is at compartmentalising things. Yeah. And it's like, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're awesome at that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they have a kiss. And then uh, there's a really nicely choreographed fight where he just batters the piss out of loads of people. And then you get the classic, I never told you, but 
Raina knew about oh, this. Oh, yeah. It's the, the, the flower girl dress comment was... Yeah. Uh, but my two favourite... What gave him away? My two favourite plot, plot devices in all of geekiness are the... I never told you that. And the other one is um, what I call the you can't handle the truth, where you aggravate the bad guy into being like, yes, I did it, I did it, and I'd do it again. <laughs> you know, that whole kind of like... The whole Jack Nicholson yeah, of yes. I deride your truth-handling you ability. You handle the truth. <laughs> you know truth-handling, you. Um, why don't you go and pretend to date... You ain't nothing well. to <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, so so the, we, we basically get the, you know, the, the Order 66 moments. Garrett said, I'm not a... Uh, the other thing is, when you mentioned that Garrett says, I'm not a true believer, but really what you, the impression that you get is ultimately, he's a pragmatist. You know, this isn't like a holy war mm. for him. He just saw that the... Or learned... The tide was turning. The tide was turning. Yeah. And he wanted to build... It's as though he just likes going on adventures. And if he has to go on adventures for the bad guys, fuck it. I mean, he's morally dubious... Oh well, he's a sociopath. I mean, yeah. that's and they he say has, that he has no no loyalty to anyone. Yeah, um, and yeah, is a psychopath. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. So yes, there's some great kicky spinny from May as well. Uh, she does the grabbing the guy between her legs and flipping him around move as well, which is a nice one. I love that. Um, and you the see, end with the wah. <laughs> you see, Hands Fitz apart. basically just shitting it under the table whilst all this is going on. Um, it's nice to see Garrett fight Coulson. It's, that's the classic geek thing as well, where you've got the underlings fighting, and then you've got the sort of patriarchs having their kind of grown fights as well. Having theirs, yeah, yeah, doing the doing their thing. Yeah, um, and we see, um, and then you get the sequence where Hand breathes Coulson, where basically she tells him the plot of Winter Soldier because basically, that has that all yes. just happened. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, right, okay, so Winter Soldier's okay. happened. Okay, um, this was released four days ago. Yeah, I've got, so. I've, I've got a screener. It's watermarked, <laughs> but we'll. Uh, we'll but we this is it. what happened, yep. Captain America. Um, yeah, don't forget to watch the mid-credit sequence, <laughs> so you're, you're fully informed. Um, and um, we we see Trip that Trip and Ward are freaked out by Garrett when he's getting walked out. Like Trip's just like, losing his shit, and he's just like you, yeah. you know. You, and you see Ward as well in a final moment of of being a convincing, um, you know. Whatever, we'll see, I guess. Um, he looks freaked out by Garrett. And then we say Ward wants to be there for the interrogation. And then we get the big shock ending. So um, before we finish up for our first time viewers, Hannah, um, do you want to do a quick sum up? And then I will tell people how to find us and all that good stuff. Okay, I would say turn, 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 10 out of 10. Amazing. Um, such great storytelling. There's a reason that Jed Whedon and Marissa Tinkerone as showrunners on the show. Mm-hmm. They get it. They're amazing. Um, oh my gosh, just fantastic. And if you don't like this episode, then there's something wrong with your brain. Yeah, I mean, it's a real great example of, of necessity being the mother of invention because I don't think that they would have done anything this big this early in the show if the larger needs of the MCU hadn't dictated it but I'm glad that they did and I think that it showed what a firm foundation the show had been built on yeah. that, that even um, just over half a season in it already had enough interesting plot lines uh, character interaction dynamics um, and uh, backstory and just you know aesthetics and all these kind of things that when the show needed to step up and do something big 
and have a, uh, I mean, Hannah and I have talked before about how Babylon 5 is a show where you have these world-changing events, like the yeah. world of the show-changing events. And um, what this proves is that the show can can handle that. Yeah. You know? Um, one thing I read on uh, IMDb is that uh, Brett Dalton didn't know. Yeah, he was really gutted, wasn't he? Well, he didn't know until just before this episode. It, yeah, well, he found so, out during the shooting of Yes Men. The, the episode with... Well, it um, says in the trivia he found it just before this. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I I think that's great. Yeah. That well, they didn't want to pollute his performance no, by having him... but it will be really interesting to know when they knew um, that there was going to be all this discourse. They, I, I actually now know the answer to that question. I did a little How bit of research. Know? Um, I read an interview with Jed Whedon and Rissa Sankarami. And when did they know? Um, they found out that all of this was happening whilst they were writing the second episode of season one. Right, so that makes a lot of sense because there's lots of fucking things. They hadn't um, filmed any of it. Yeah, but I think, I can't remember if it's the second or third episode that you and I watched. There's a slight backtrack on something, isn't there? Yeah, right? you and I, like I said to you at one point... Um, why didn't he confess anything when he was under the serum, um, when he was uh, with Sky and um, all this kind of thing? Yeah. And and then they have a backtrack and, oh, I really wasn't under the serum the whole time and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and you and I speculated in the spoiler section at mm. the time that we thought perhaps that was the point that they knew that there was going to be this subterfuge going on. Yeah. Um and they had to kind of build in that uh, failsafe of why he hadn't given anything away. I mean, there were already months into the development of the show because although they were writing the second episode, um, months of work goes into a show before you even write the script for the first episode. Mm. You know, you develop the show, you develop the characters, you figure out where you're going to shoot it, who you're going to cast, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who you're going to cast. Um, and then, um, that, and then you write the first episode, and then so you know there was still a way into the process, but um, but yeah, it was when they're writing the episode two of season one that they basically they were told um, this is what's going to happen. I don't know if I, I assume that that's the point where they decided they were going to make him that character, but yeah, um, but yeah, so uh, um, yeah, but I, I agree. I think it's it's a wonderful episode, and I think that it's it's a testimony to the show that. Um, They've got so many interesting elements and so many characters that when something like this happens, uh, it can be as compelling, but also just as entertaining as, as this. That was it's- a fucking interesting, thoroughly watchable episode. Like, I actually um, resented taking notes in that episode because I just... Wanted to watch it. Just yeah. wanted to watch it, and it was so good um, that, yeah, it, I think that's probably why we've gone slightly off-piste in the way we've like approached it because you and I were just watching it. Yeah. We weren't we weren't too hung up about, you know, making notes for well, it. It's one of those episodes where it, it it unfolds. Yeah, yeah, know? it really does. And, and you have yeah. to kind of watch it in that way. And so much is revealed in it that that yeah, you just kind of gotta go with it. Yeah, I mean I remember what first watching it thinking, Christ, well where do you go from here? Mm. And uh we will find out next week on <laughs> the yes, Rewatch Project. Um okay so quick reminder guys, um Apple Podcast Reviews, uh check out we are pod Send me an email. Send me an email. Oh. That's it. Send her an email and send she will stop seeing. Uh that's the deal. So that's a rewatch. Right now. 
that's rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at rewatchproject so we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back and we will have a little spoiler section for those who have already watched all seven seasons of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right after this message yeah I'm clearance level six I know that Agent Coulson was killed in action before the battle in New York got the full report welcome to level seven Sorry, that corner was really dark and I couldn't help myself. I think there's a bulb out. So we are back in the spoiler section for Turn, Turn, Turn. What's well, Hydra? Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, the cat's out of the bag. Um, the, the only thing re- really I want to mention here is just a little bit of clarification about why I was being so cagey um, about Ward. Because I remember when I first saw this, well, thinking we were both like this when he's we not, saw it. Um, he's it's not a hybrid. fake out. He's yeah. doing this for some reason, and, and he wasn't. He wasn't a like I love the character so much I refuse to believe it kind of thing. It was just that um, I just didn't buy it. I just thought, but um, there had been history of that with Sky doing the like she turned up somewhere and with done her the boyfriend, fake, yeah, and, and yeah. done the fake out of being yeah. like. The bad internet terrorist. So I, 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 I figured it was that he knew something that we didn't, and the other thing was, and I, I don't know whether this was intentional or not, but this episode had already had so many fake outs, so many kind of like, aha, you thought I was yeah. a woman, but I am not, you know, kind <laughs> of. And the, but by the time this happened, I thought, oh, well, this is just well, going to be just don't believe another anything. one of those. Yeah. And in the next yeah. episode, there's lots of stuff where I think the next episode follows Ward pretty much throughout the whole episode going and even then I was like oh okay but no there must be a reason for it and it's like there's no one sudden uh, incontrovertible moment where it's oh yes he's evil Mm. it's like a slow dawning and so it's it might seem a little alarmist to still be kind of spoiler averse about it but I would imagine that there's probably people listening to this podcast who are watching the show for the first time who are having the same thought process that we did yeah so I I wouldn't want to just go and be like well so he's evil now and and kind of like tacitly uh, confirm that uh, my friend Louise who's watching this for the first time she won't hear this but when she watched it I remember her messaging me and saying Oh, he must be faking it. He must be. He's got to be a good guy. He can't be bad. Yeah, the, the, just the film grammar mm. of it is just. And I think it was because he was such a. I mean, in some ways, when they they had their because I don't think that if when they were writing the first episode and they didn't know what was happening with Winter Soldier, I think that I think I think I actually know this is that they realised that there was going to be this. Hydra was within so they were like okay well it makes sense that somebody in our team would be and they for whatever reason made the decision that it was going to be Ward yeah in some ways that was a brilliant decision because he is the most unlikely person because he's so square he seems so company man yeah Mm. so it's kind of the most dramatically interesting like Mm. May, you know who I think probably the most obvious person for it to have been would have been either Fitz or Simmons. Well, I think 
that's interesting you say that because one of the things that I was reminded about when they when Victoria Hand is pretending to be Hydra oh no sorry when Garrett is has got them all lined up and he's saying to Fitz you can either come with me and you'll be a top ranking officer Mm. or you're going to be tortured and I'll still use you anyway it reminded me of the virtual reality season where he is bad fits Um, and I, I kind of got this this sense of he could totally have just lifted his head and gone, where do I start? You yeah. know, like... Um, like anybody could. Yeah, he he he's ambiguous like that. Like, he's a good guy. It's not that, that you worry that he's not a good good character, but he has nuance, yeah. like all good characters should. Yeah, human. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a humanism. Yeah. Um, and the other thing as well is that whilst it's great that we get to have Garrett Shiva scenery, like it's a great um, one of the great joys of season one of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that Samuel L. Jackson turns up for the final two episodes Yeah, and he's there kind of buddy copying. Oh god, with, I can't wait uh, until he turns back up. I remember the moment just before they kill Garrett when, oh, they uh, have a real good joke. Yeah, when he, he, they look at each other and he's like, I don't remember him being this nuts. <laughs> like, and then they just turn around and sort of like pass him away. So what is great to, that you get to see Garrett go full scenery chewing, it is kind of a shame because I would have liked to have had more of Garrett being the kind of Han Solo, kind of roguish, fuck it, let's just go in there, guns are blazing, kind of comrade character. Because yeah. he does that so great that it's like, I just wish we had a few more episodes of that. Yeah, of yeah. him being the kind of the cigar chewing kind of like uh, smoke me a kipper. I'll be back for breakfast, kid. Yeah, kind yeah. of you know, um, yeah. you know, World War Two flash kind of character. Mm. But uh, but anyway, you know, it, it, I'm, you shouldn't complain. The storylines are moving too quickly. But uh, but you know, I think that's it really for me from a spoiler perspective. But uh, that's a long episode anyway, so. Uh, we have nothing to apologise for. Uh, do you want to bring up the tale of the tape for uh, the next episode? Absolutely. This should be, this should be an interesting one, all things considered. So uh, the next episode is called Providence. The synopsis says, with Colonel Glenn Talbot now on their trail, Coulson and his team seek refuge in the last place anyone would look where they begin to uncover S.H.I.E.L.D.'s most dangerous secrets, secrets that could destroy them all. Oh, is this one with Patton Oswalt and... Uh, yeah, so Patton Oswalt's in it. Interestingly, it's written by Marissa Tankeron, but uh, with Brent Fletcher. Ah. So not not Jed Whedon. Bit of trouble in the bedroom. <laughs> no, no, uh, so... Brent Fletcher wrote 15 episodes of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. Um, he also wrote eight episodes of Spartacus. He wrote an episode of Lost, an episode of Angel, um, and was a producer on, like, all of those things. Wow. So he's got his, he's got his tendrils, uh, like Hydra. Totally, in, totally, uh, yeah. These, he's, uh, he's well in there. And it's directed by Milan Chalov. I don't know if you know him at all, but he... Seems to be extremely high demand. He's done lots of different episodes. He's done Bones. He's done Castle. He's done Shield. He's done uh, Rizzoli and Isles. What is it about Bones? I'm pretty sure that you've directed an episode of Bones at some point. (laughs) Well, you'd think, you know, 
David What's-His-Face was in it. Yeah, well, he ran for like a million seasons as well. He's done 24, Prison Break. Yeah. Prison Break seems to come up a lot with all the directors who do Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, there's a there's an obvious connection there. Yeah, there's good. Yeah, there must be some producers in common or something. Yeah, bound to or, be. Or it's shot in the same city or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, he's he's done like shitloads of lots of different things. Cool. Um, yeah. I, I I just can't wait. I this this whole run right to the end now is just so solid. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a great long movie, isn't it? Really. At this well, point? it is. There's there's just nothing. There's nothing bad in there. It's just one good episode yeah. after another. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, the characters have been through a lot of each other. They've been tested. You know who they are. And I think that's one of the great things about these types of shows or franchises. Are uh, once you've had all of those, you know, Monster of the Week episodes and all that kind of stuff, you've got... It's such a palette, mm. you know. The, 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 at this point, there must have just been like, you know, right, okay, let's yeah. give them a workout yeah. and see what actually happens, you know. And uh, Okay, well, that's it for this week, guys. Um, uh, again, want to remind you to go to wearepodsyndicate.com and we will be back um, very soon, I would imagine, to talk about the next episode of Agents of Shield. And just before we go, I want to say to everybody, have an extremely Merry Christmas, however that may be. Um, and remember that if everybody just does what we need to do, we can all hug really soon. We can. And, of course, um, Hail Hydra <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think he needs to be... Uh, goes back saying... It's all right, I'll shoot him later. Yeah, shoot him. Just with his stun gun. is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com.